welcome back to this bonus mini episode of the Comfortably Hungry podcast on pressure cooking. If you haven't already listened to episode five with Catherine Phipps, author of Modern Pressure Cooking, you can find it on Substack, Apple, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. It's very easy to get carried away when chatting to my guests, so I've collated a few of the bits that didn't make it into the original pressure cooking episode. Given that we're in the height of summer, I thought it would be interesting to explore how nations with consistently hotter climates than Britain utilize pressure cookers to great effect. Yes, folks, pressure cookers and even slow cookers are not only for the winter months. Actually, that's one of the differences between the pressure cookers we're using today and the Indian style pressure cookers, because they operate on a different, in a slightly different way. They are constantly building up pressure, releasing, building up pressure, releasing. And what happens each time they release pressure is a spurt of steam comes out, is a kind of high pitched hissing noise, which is why they're referred to as whistling pressure cookers. And they time their recipes by the number of whistles. So those kind of pressure cookers are still in existence. I know quite a lot of South Asian diaspora people who brought them over with them because that's the kind of pressure cooker they've grown up with and are really comfortable with. But, you know, even there, the electric pressure cookers are becoming really, really popular now. I think there's a there's a um, perception that they were becoming popular in India um, at at an earlier time. Um, purely independently what was gaining popularity in that time from the kind of early 20th century was more of a kind of slow cooker model than a pressure cooker model there was an invention by somebody called Indumadab um, Malik who created something called the Ikmik cooker which was based on the Tiffin system so it was kind of similar in that it was a sealed vessel but it worked in such a way that it wasn't pressurized. So people could light this little charcoal stove um, in the morning, add the right amount of water, fix the lid on and go away and leave it to cook all day. And the water in the cylinder would mean that it wouldn't boil, wouldn't wouldn't go dry because it was sealed. So it's similar, but actually very different because the results that the way it was used was as a slow cooker as well, rather than a pressure cooker. So you get the water in the bottom above the charcoal and the steam would surround the tiffin and it would just very, very gently and slowly cook all day, which is kind of the opposite of what a pressure cooker does. Yeah. Apart from the fact that you have the water, which again, stops things from burning. And then the places where they continue to be popular, such as across the whole of South Asia and Latin America, places where the daily staples were still very kind of bean and pulse based. So I would, you know, I talked to my sister-in-law and she said that as, you know, as a nation, most people would get home from work and the first thing they would do is put on a pot of beans to cook. And I'd talk to her about oh well did you batch cook and all the rest of it and yes they would but you know these are places where for a long long time they didn't have refrigeration as soon as we would and as as we did and it makes sense that if your staples are dried goods non-perishable dried goods to cook them in as fast a way as possible 
because you're cooking them on a daily basis and then you don't have to store them because storing them once they're cooked was an issue. So that made perfect sense. And, and obviously the other thing is that in a very hot climate, it's in your best interest to keep the cooking to a minimum because you're heating everything around you. The longer something's on the stove, the hotter your kitchen is going to be. One of the interesting things in your book, actually, you do make that point. I think in Britain, certainly, we associate pressure cooking with things like stews that typically would take a long time in the oven or on the stovetop uh, and therefore with winter food. But as you make that point very well in your book, it's got far more greater uses and is used in these incredibly hot climates, um, as you say, where yeah. things need to be cooked quickly and also can't be stored. You don't really want to spend hours cooking your beans every day, do you? So I No, can you really don't. And, and the thing about the, the whole winter-summer thing is that I use mine just as much in, in the summer for, for exactly those reasons, but also because of the kind of food I'm eating. You know, we eat a massive amount of salads in summer, but salads aren't just vegetables. And, you know, as an aside, vegetables cook very quickly and efficiently in a very nutritionally beneficial way in the pressure cooker as well. But, you know, if you think of all the things that you put in a salad, um, different grains, different beans and pulses, you know, a pre-lentil or something is great in a salad, new potatoes, eggs, cooked chicken and meats, you know, all of these things will cook much faster and efficiently in a, in a pressure cooker and, and help keep your kitchen cooler. Thanks again to Catherine Phipps for talking to me about this mode of cooking. Don't forget to check out her book, Modern Pressure Cooking, and her new pressure cooking newsletter, Catherine is Under Pressure on Substack. You can also find Catherine on Instagram at Catherine Phipps. If you'd like to find out more about my work, pop along to sambilton.com, where you will find details on my books on gingerbread and saffron, as well as the Comfortably Hungry blog. You may also want to subscribe to the Comfortably Hungry newsletter on Substack, which includes recipes and more detailed notes from the show. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please let me know on Twitter at SJFBilton or Instagram at Mrs. Bilton, that's with two S's. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. I'll be back soon with another austerity podcast, but until then, take care. This podcast was created, researched, produced, recorded and edited by me, Sam Bilton, with music and sound effects provided by zapsplat.com.